your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 519 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, and we have a complete reaction-based show to the NHL trade deadline where the Ottawa Senators made multiple moves, and not all of them were with other teams. Yeah, Ross, lots of players being moved out, but we're also going to discuss on some of the players not moved out on this deadline that were expected to be traded. So plenty of things to get into, and you're going to get our pure reaction as we're just recording right after the deadline. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Monday, March 21st. And Pilsy, initial reaction and was the trade deadline busier, less busy, or as busy as you expected? I'll go with as busy as I expected. I knew there was going to be a handful of trades. It was just between five or six guys. Which ones were they going to be? We hoped there'd be more moves, but you also got to consider if if Belleville Senators want to have a chance to compete, the Ottawa Senators couldn't have traded all of their expiring contracts because then they'd have to call up all these Belleville players and you end up depleting the roster there. So I think... Really, if you look at it, the moves Pierre Dorian had to do, I think he got done. And decent returns, nothing that really jumps out on the pay, at the page at you. But I would say, overall, I'd give Pierre Dorian a B-minus on this trade deadline because he didn't uh, do anything crazy, but he did make some moves that we were anticipating and returns that we thought were fair. I might argue one was crazy. We'll get to what yeah, he did yeah, trade yes. in a moment. But the guys who stayed that we thought would move, there was one player on your need-to-move list, and that's Victor Mete. You'd think they just couldn't find a partner? I guess his agent didn't work hard enough, eh? Um, but I think once they moved Josh Brown, they kind of decided, all right, we got to keep one bottom pair defenseman here, and we're not able to find a trade we really like for Victor Mete here. So we'll just hold on to him because we don't want to kind of ruin the market here. And I think, you know, Josh Brown is probably the right guy to move. And I think more teams were interested in what he brings to a playoff team as a depth defenseman, maybe a little more than what Mete has to offer. So let's go through this chronologically. The yep. first trade was the head scratcher. Yeah, that's uh, Ross. I forgot about it because I placed it out of my mind. But yes, <laughs> this was a wild one and we need to get into it. Lucky you. the They show that it's still there. Unfortunately, the trade was not made up. It was a real... No fake account. Oh my God. I was hoping. I had to look at it three times. It was Darren Dreger. I saw Travis Hamanick has been traded to the Senators. Details to follow thought the details were going to be just kidding but in reality it's a third round pick that went back to Vancouver now it's their own third round pick that had previously been acquired by Vegas Ottawa got it in the Dadanov trade 
But what do you think he's going through in his mind when you see that a buyer type move? This was an absolute head scratcher, as you talked about, Ross. Like, as soon as the trade was done, I put myself in the Vancouver Canucks shoes. All right, we have an aging defenseman with term on his contract. He's overpaid. He's not really fitting into this locker room. We have to pay him a signing bonus. And he he's like, it's just not working here. So let's get rid of him. Okay, how about we get a third round pick in return to get rid of someone that we have no interest in keeping and he's not working out here and someone's willing to pay that. And then on top of that, Ross, they move that exact pick for a different Travis, Travis Dermott, and get a much better deal than the Senators do. So this is just absolutely wild. Um, not Jim Benning. I'm blanking on the new... Uh, oh, Patrick Alvin. Yeah, the Canucks GM there. He must have hung up the phone and just started laughing in the war room, being like, is this serious? Is this real life right now? Did we actually acquire a good asset for Travis Hamanick, and now we're able to flip it for an even better asset? That's just mind-boggling to me. And Pierre Dorian, once again, shades of the Hoffman trade, where he gets a pretty bad return in return for Mike Hoffman. And then the Sharks flip Hoffman moments later for better picks. Uh, so they get a better trade. It's just wild that this keeps on happening. And GMs must be like chomping at the bit when Pierre Dorian calls them because they have an opportunity to fleece him. Yes. However, you would think that Julian Breezeball in Tampa Bay would certainly be able to do that then, a team that's known for making yes. shrewd moves. But this one was a lot better received. And, of course, we'll break down the Hamannick trade further as we go along. He's expected to make his debut on Thursday in Winnipeg, where he grew up. So a little reunion there, and I'll be boots on the ground hoping to be impressed. But my... My expectations are pretty low, to say the least, when it comes to that. And actually, before we move on, because you, you mentioned the not fitting in with the locker room. like I don't think I've ever seen such a victory lap from the team's media as I saw here. Now, we know Vancouver media and the team don't have the best relationship, yes. maybe, arguably even worse than Ottawa, the way they handle some of their, their cri criticisms of players and whatnot. But the play-by-play -play guy said it's the best trade he thinks that the Canucks have made in over a decade. And then... The other, I think it was their, um, Sakaras from uh, from one of their radio shows out there said that he's just a bad guy. And he said that he referenced that he didn't accept a media request. I don't think they're implored to go on his show. It's not connected with the team at all. Sure, it'd be nice if they do. We appreciate when people come on ours, but I'm not going to bad talk someone if they don't. So I don't know what to make of all that. I, I have a feeling it's kind of, I'd rather take the wait and see approach and see how he's you know, brought into this situation where it sounds like he's going to get every opportunity he's signed for next year, $3 million cap it. He's getting a signing bonus this off season and sounds like he's going to be Jake Sanderson's first D partner in the NHL. Well, Ross, this also gave me vibes of, well, Eric Branson played with Cam Fowler. So we're just going to pencil him in with Thomas Shabbat and top pro scout, Jack Capuano, assistant coach for the Ottawa Senators, he seems to think that that could be a possibility. So I don't know how I feel about a guy that's... He went through waivers as well. Let's keep that in mind. Hamannick went through waivers this year and no one wanted him. And the Sens gave up an asset to acquire him here. And I don't know if he's the kind of guy you want playing with Jake Sanderson to get things started. But clearly the Sens have a big picture for this guy because they went against their MO, which is we don't do signing bonuses. They acquired him knowing he has a signing bonus. 
and there he has an extra year on his deal here. Like we were all thinking that they were looking to get rid of Zaitsev because he was a guy with a signing bonus, aging contract, getting overpaid. And what do they do? They add another guy with those same problems. Like I, I really just don't understand, especially Ross, when you start looking at the other trades made, like there were depth defensemen that were traded for much less, like some teams giving up future uh, considerations, some teams giving up sixth round picks, like stuff like that. I don't understand why the Sens had to pay such a hefty price for someone that the Vancouver Canucks couldn't wait to get rid of. Yeah, and Travis Hammond, Travis Hammond used to be a great defenseman. His last time traded was, or maybe not last time, because he's bounced around a little bit too, and that concerns me to a degree. Mm-hmm. But he was once traded for a first and two seconds when he was acquired by Calgary. But that was from- six years ago, no? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's certainly not the same player, although Jack Capuano, who is his head coach with the New York Islanders, certainly thinks that he's going to bring these great qualities to Ottawa. So I have my doubts. I have a lot of doubts about this move, but I'm willing to give it a chance because if you're looking at it just based positionally, it's an area of need on every team, especially Ottawa. Moving out Josh Brown, the right side already is the weakest part of this team, I would argue. Maybe the right side up front, but with the emergence, we've talked about Connor Brown's great streak, and once Batherson gets healthy, I think the right side of the defense needs the most work. So they targeted the right position. I just don't think they got a very good player. But time will tell. I mean, if we're looking at just the most recent impact that he's had, of course, maybe this is cherry-picking, but he has five points in his last 10 games, and he's plus one. So maybe he's coming around, but from, uh, from talking with some Vancouver Canucks fans, it sounded like he was anchoring Quinn Hughes last season, <laughs> yeah. partnered together, and this year's on the third pair. So the Senators have clearly had their uh, their own anchors. So to bring in another we one and anchors. give up an asset is uh, is quite a move here. But we will see. I guess Travis Hamonic, Manitoba native, like I said, uh, has played for the Islanders, then the Calgary Flames, and most recently spent the last two seasons with the Vancouver Canucks, even playing two games in Abbotsford this year. But I want to say that was an injury conditioning stint. I don't think he actually was put on waivers at the start of the year, but he's been playing up in Vancouver for the last little while. He uh, had good offensive numbers back in the day. Like he's put up 30 points, 25, 30, but he's going to be more of a physical stay at home defenseman, especially at this point in his career. All right. I think sense fans um, probably have heard enough about that trade for now. We will see how it plays out. But as I mentioned, he is signed for next year, but as of now, That's it. And we should note, we are recording this right after the trade deadline. It's 3.50 p.m. on Monday. And Pilsy, get this. Mark Sheeg, he works with the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, talking about how uh, there might be a Max Domi trade on the move. Said he called NHL Central Registry, and there's 33 trades in the queue, apparently. I don't know if that's a typo or what. So could there be more moves for the Ottawa Senators? If there are, you can go to the Locked On Senators YouTube page, subscribe there, and we will get immediate reaction if and when the Senators continue to make moves. But they made enough moves that we got a full episode to get to, including Nick Paul. We say adieu to a great soldier who's been with the Senators since 2014. We talk about the excitement of a speed demon coming back in Matthew Joseph. And a couple other moves that the Senators made, including one that they didn't make with Anton Forsberg re-signing. Before we get to all that, though, Pilsy, you've got word from one of our favorite sponsors, I do believe. Yes, our favorite new sponsor of ours, and it's Athletic Greens. And guys, I'm not kidding. I've been having this. They sent me a package, and I've been having this every morning 
you you have their product is AG1 and it's packed with over 75 different vitamins you put one scoop into a glass of water to start your day and you already know you're going to have a healthy start to your day and I've been feeling better every single day that I've had it so I would recommend you guys give it a try too so like I mentioned, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, not just any food, a superfood, probiotics, and more to get your day started off right. There's so many different benefits to AG1. Let's talk about the founder's story. How did they all get started? So Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up in a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 a day. So he said, look, I can't be the only one going through this. I got to create something better. And he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. So he's done all the hard work for you. And I recommend you guys try it because right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's so convenient. One scoop in water to start your day. Super easy. It's just that simple. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. You can put them in your bag when you go out for a walk, when you head out to work with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators were fairly active, not the most by far, but at least a few moves. Do you want to get to the re-signing first or should we jump right back in to the trades that went down over the last 24 hours? Ross, goalie-friendly show. Let's get into the re-signing of Anton Forsberg, and then we'll get to the biggest trade next. Well, a three-year extension with an annual average of 2.75. I like it. I don't know if there's too much to really critique other than being gun-shy based on three-year contract extensions being handed out to other goalies in the Senators' recent past. Yeah, and I think that's the first thing every Sens fan is going to point to, right? Like... You're fool me once, fool me twice. You don't want to get fooled three times. But at the same time, the Senators are handcuffed here. What else were they supposed to do? If they were to trade Anton Forsberg, they would need an NHL goalie in return. And that NHL goalie would probably be on an expiring contract and not a good goalie because it would be a contending team offloading him in uh, exchange for Forsberg. Then the Ottawa Senators are in a situation in the offseason where you're desperate scrambling for a goalie. And then you probably got to overpay a guy in free agency anyway. So why not just stick with the guy you know, the guy you trust, and... I think ideally the Ottawa Senators would have liked to have Forsberg signed to a two-year deal. That third year kind of makes things a little iffy. But as we've mentioned a lot of times, and Forsberg made it very clear in his press conference today with TSN 1200, that he's been bounced around his entire life. He's got wife, kids, and he's just so happy to be able to say, hey, the next three years hopefully, probably, will be in Ottawa. I'm going to get a house, we're going to settle down, and I can focus on just playing hockey. And I think that's important, and I think it's worth giving him that third year. And sure, $2.75 million for a backup is paying a decent chunk, but Anton Forsberg is no mere backup. This is a guy that's essentially the Ottawa Senators' starter at this point. He's been the best goalie for this team all year, 
fairly consistent. Sure, he's had a couple stinkers, but you can match those up easily with great 40-plus save performances, and you can see yourself getting into this deal. And what it does is it provides insurance that if Matt Murray continues to be inconsistent health-wise, we've got a guy we can plug in, and it gives an opportunity to move Gus back down to Belleville if and when Matt Murray is healthy mm-hmm. so that he can develop more in the AHL because I think it's very clear to everyone watching Gus's in this season, he's not quite ready to make that step and be an NHL backup goalie. So this allows the Ottawa Senators a lot of flexibility and I think it was a move they had to do and I think it's a good move. And it's great to see a little bit of consistency because Travis Yost just pointed out on Twitter that going back five years, and you know with a rebuilding team, there's going to be more moves, but no team has had more skaters, forwards and defensemen, than the Ottawa Senators. Almost 90 different players in the last five years. To put that in perspective, the Islanders are hovering around 50, and they have the least amount of movement there. So, it's good to see Forsberg back. It's a very well-deserved contract. He's fantastic when the Sens are on the penalty kill, and he gives a lot of confidence out for the team. So excited to see him back over a three-year term. It's just one of those things you mentioned where if you're a team, yeah, two years probably sounds a little bit better, but that third year is the agent and the team saying like, hey, you're going to lock us up, man. We have some leverage here too, and we want that security of being here for a third year. So Anton Forsberg, the number's under three. That's nice. 2.75 is Pretty reasonable. I'd say that's just a, a good backup. And we had talked about Ian Mendez made the comparison to Laurent Brossois. Pretty similar contract, just a little bit more. And he's shown a little bit more. So you could argue he's shown a lot more. So I like that move for sure. It's probably my favorite of the moves from a trade deadline season, if you will. And uh, we are hearing reports, though, that Ottawa is all likelihood finished making moves. So we can pull up this graphic now where the in and out come to play. Again, we've pulled this up on YouTube, but for those who are just listening, the ins are Travis Hamnick, who we already discussed. The next trade that we will discuss following this little bit is Mattia Joseph and a fourth round pick from Tampa Bay in exchange for Nick Paul. The other trades were Josh Brown to Boston for Zach Sinitian and a fifth round pick. Now, Ottawa is also sending a seventh round pick back if Sinitian plays five NHL games down the stretch. He's been assigned to Belleville. And then the final trade is Zach Sanford, who says he hates playing in Canada. Well, pack it up. You're heading to Winnipeg in exchange for a fifth round pick. But let's pick up on the largest trade scale-wise, and that's Nick Paul. Now, the final offer that was apparently the final offer wasn't, because in the Ottawa Sun today, it was now a four-year $10.4 million contract, which would have paid him 2.6 per year but I like him betting on himself and going down to Tampa playing with Hagel or whoever else is on. It's almost like they tried to recreate that gritty third line that they lost last season. I love the fit in Tampa Bay, but coming back to Ottawa, Mattia Joseph, the friendship tour continues, Pilsy, as Shabbat now has his good buddy on the squad. And Ross, I'm glad you mentioned it's almost like they're trying to recreate that third line in Tampa because Blake Coleman pointed out, In the edited picture, Tampa tweeted out, they put Nick Paul's head on his body. (laughs) Like, they're literally trying to recreate that third line. So, I think that's just hilarious. But, yeah, to get back to Nick Paul, there's nothing else you could have asked from this guy. Every five years straight, he bounced up from Belleville 
to Ottawa and he did everything the coaching staff asked. He was patient. He he played was a first line center for a couple games here. He plays on the PK. He moved to the wing. He worked on his faceoffs. He was up and down the lineup. He's involved in the community. He's one of the only players that went out of their way to try to set up a charity um, support system. His wife is involved in the community. Like this guy, there's not a bad thing I can think about to say about him with his time with the Ottawa Senators. He deserves all the respect, all the praise that is coming his way because he was a great teammate and a great person for this team. And Brady Kachuk uh, mentioned it this morning. They're super sad to see a guy like him go. However, there is some nice return in this one. And Ross, initially I was underwhelmed with the return. I was hoping for a little bit more of a experienced player, maybe a higher draft pick as well. We had mentioned DeBrusque in a third might make a lot of sense. So initially I was a little underwhelmed, but you start looking into uh, Matthew Joseph and there's a lot to like here. You mentioned it. Friends with Shabbat. So that Shabbat can be like, yeah, we lost a good guy, Nick Paul, but... We're getting a beauty in return, guys. Don't you worry about that. And then head over to Atleem's Martian on Twitter. He posted uh, clips of all of uh, Joseph's goals or and points, sorry, this season. And they're pretty damn impressive. And his hockey IQ is high up there, if you ask me, because he was setting up guys like Stamkos. He was putting the puck in backdoor with ease. He finds himself in the right place at the right time. He plays with pace. He plays with speed. And I think there's a lot of positives here. But the biggest one, Ross, that I'll mention, and the difference between him and DeBrusque, is next year he'll be an RFA and he's only sitting at a contract right around 700k right now. So for the Ottawa Senators, that's a very manageable salary situation, which for a team that's strapped for cash, that's huge when you're looking at a player like him. Yes, and by the way, Ottawa did just make another minor trade. We're going to get to that in just a second. But where would you like to see Matthew Joseph start for the Ottawa Senators? Line mates. I would like to see Joseph start on that second line with Formanton and Stutzla. Like the speed, the youth, the hockey IQ, the skill of those three combined, I think is going to be very impressive to watch. However, in saying that, he isn't the guy that I have in the future as that second line winger that'll help push this team to the playoffs. I think they need a guy with a little more pedigree, a little more scoring ability, someone that's gotten it done at a at a more uh, higher pace of points in the regular season to fit that second line winger. But for the time being, I think he's in a good spot if that's where he fits in. And who knows, this is a young player that's just entering his prime. He wasn't given the biggest opportunities in Tampa because, well, it's Tampa. So if he's given a big opportunity in Ottawa, maybe he flourishes into that player that could really be a successful second-line winger. Did you see how he spent his day with the Stanley Cup? No, I missed it. A Stanley Cup winner also. You got to shout that out. Was he Was he with them both years or just the last year? He was an extra in okay. the in the bubble. In um, in Toronto, where where they ended up, well, I guess Edmonton, they ended up going there for the the finals. But he um, he for his day with the Cups. Sorry, I'm just pulling it up for all those who are watching us on YouTube. So he's a, a Quebecer. He's actually from um, he's from Laval. Okay, cool. So that's where it says on Hockey DB at least. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Check this out. Threw a little poutine in there. How? Oh are yeah, you? the shrimp poutine, right? Shrimp? Was that it? Didn't Ooh, he have shrimp know. in there? Or no, that was uh, one of the guys put shrimp in, in, in the cup with poutine. It was a French guy. I forget who it was. Was it? I mean, it might have. Maybe Yanni Gord? 
Yeah, I forget. But Yanni that was like a, from way up north. He's from, okay. I think it was him then because it was a weird tradition, and uh, that was one of them. But yeah, that looks pretty tasty. And I mean, look, the guy looks like an absolute beauty. I, I'm very stoked for Joseph to come yeah. into the Senators here. I think he's going to fit in real nicely. Yeah, I'm actually super excited for him as well, and he fits the Sens' mo. Of yes. just wanting to create speed, create disruption around the offensive zone. I like what you're saying on that right side with Stutzla and Formanton. But Pelzi's one of those guys. Usually it's the Russians who do this, but he's a Canadian who's a left-hand shot, plays right wing. So wonder how that works out into how he'll be used. Looking forward to seeing him join the Senators at practice tomorrow. Of course, we'll have a pregame show and all that on tomorrow's Locked On Senators. But for today, it's all trade deadline, including one that just came down the wire. And again, there's still lots more by the sounds of it in the queue. And Pierre Dorian usually talks right after the trade deadline, and he still hasn't been to the podium. So all that to say there could be more moves coming. We'll tell you which move just happened after I tell you a quick word from our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. And after the trade deadline for Puck, why not go take a look at the future odds at Bet Online? Net. Go there right now for the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They've got all the coverage you need, whether it's hockey, boxing, UFC, and you can get your information there too. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. And Ross, we have a word from our friends over at Built Bar as well. Sorry for the pause there. I was just updating myself on that trade, which we're going to get to. <laughs> and hey, Built Bar, Pierre Dorian, I bet that's a guy that could use a Built Bar right now. That's a long day for a general manager working the phones. And maybe you missed a meal or two, but you can get your protein in with the best tasting protein bars at Built.com. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, you heard that right. Real chocolate, guys. They're low calorie, but high protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. All those uh, bars you get at the gas station, throw them in the garbage because you can find a better tasting bar with better health benefits. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Where else do you find that? And the key is Built Bar focuses on making the bars taste good. Then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off with every single flavor, and you got to try for yourself. Go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Guys, head to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy. So we have an updated graphic here that we're pulling up on YouTube because the Ottawa Senators have acquired goaltender Michael McNiven from the Calgary Flames in exchange for the ever-popular future considerations. And one look at his Elite Prospects page, Pilsy, and I don't know what they're planning to do, whether it's just a warm body who's going to be a tank commander down the stretch because those are bad AHL numbers. But if you're an organization that has much more invested into Philip Gustafson, you got to think he's the guy they want going down to share the net with the Great Dane throughout the end of Belleville season and into the playoffs. Absolutely. And I kind of anticipated a deal like this would happen, just getting a goalie in to back up Anton Forsberg for the rest of the year as it remains to be the fact that Matt Murray probably will not play another game this season. Having said that, 
I don't. I, I want to be as nice to an incoming goalie as possible. We're a goalie-friendly show, but Michael McNiven. This was a guy, Ross, when we were working in Belleville, when we Laval was coming into town, and we saw McNiven was the starter. We immediately hammered Belleville and the over. Like it was like this is going to be a great game for the Senators. McNiven is in net here, and I've never seen a good showing from him. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay positive here, but that's just a matter of fact from my viewing of him, whether it's been in Laval or Montreal, I have not seen him put in a good game as a goalie. And if you're a tanking team, I mean, hell yeah, get him in as many games as possible and increase those lottery odds, I guess. But they better not bring him to Belleville, Ross. If he plays a game in Belleville, then are the Belleville Senators tanking? Like, what's going on there? So this has to be the only thing I can consider is that, yeah, he's going to back up and Gus gets to go back down because Sogard, it's a big workload for him here. So And Gustafson, he needs to get in starts consistently, and he's not quite ready for the NHL. So this allows them to do that. It's just hilarious that of all the players they could have acquired, McNiven is the guy. I don't know what's going on here, whether or not he's going to go to the NHL or AHL, but he has to go to the NHL. But he has to. His numbers just are are atrocious. I mean, he's only played one period in the NHL. He allowed three goals on seven shots, but it's his AHL numbers over a much more extended log where you can actually take a, a peek here and get some consistent analysis. And it's uh, it's not great. It's not great. It's well under 900 in the American Hockey League. So, I'm curious to see what the plan is. It's a a bit of a head-scratcher when you look at who it is, but at the end of the day, it's past the deadline, and Ottawa was playing musical chairs and didn't end up with a goalie. So they needed to make a move here because they were in a situation last week where two two AHL PTOs were in the lineup. (laughs) So you just need some sort of depth at that position. All right, moving on to the – Wait, Ross, go ahead. Quickly, too. Winnipeg native for you. There you go. There you go. Another Winnipeg boy. (laughs) Um, Although he grew up playing – he played for the Halton Hurricanes. Uh, U16, which is in Ontario. So we'll we'll see, but we'll claim him. That's all right. A couple Manitobans then coming in to the yeah. Sens, uh, Sens lineup here. Does he get to start in Winnipeg in his hometown on Thursday? I freaking <laughs> hope not. Uh, that to say, uh, Josh Brown, no longer an Ottawa yes. Senator. Uh, his tumultuous time with the Sens where he was scratching the surface for, well, what it seemed all of it, scored zero goals. And we know defensive defenseman, but still kind of a fun stat. Zero goals in 72 games uh, for Ottawa. The Bill McCult stat line, as I like to call it. But the Ottawa Senators get a local product, a former first-round pick, that infamous 2015 first round for the Boston Bruins, where they took Sinitian, Zaboral, and Jake DeBrusque, leaving on the table Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Matthew Barzell, Barzell Brock Besser. Yeah. Take, oh. take your pick for all the talent that they left on the board. Um, and Colin White as well in, in that mix there. But uh, in all seriousness, he only ever got 14 games at the NHL level. And we were talking with a friend of the show, Spoke Z, who obviously follows Boston and their prospects much more closely. Said he never really got an opportunity. Doesn't know if there's a whole lot there in terms of the whole package. But guess what? Senators are targeting a specific type of player. He said this guy might be one of the fastest humans in the American Hockey League. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize he had that kind of speed. Um, I wasn't really able to pick up on him when he was with Providence. He wasn't a guy that I really noticed. So, But he puts up big, or I shouldn't say big points, but he puts up consistent points in the AHL. And I see him, Ross, as a guy that's going down there to help their AHL push. And sure, 
Maybe he was drafted a little high because the Boston Bruins were scrambling with three straight first-round picks they did not intend to keep. But he's he's obviously someone that they targeted uh, with great value. He's got a lot of road ahead of him. He's only 24 years old. He's an Ottawa native. Uh, Hockey DB has him at six foot one, 208 pounds, so good size. And if he's that fast with that size, you gotta love that. And right now. As it stands, if he, if he is indeed going to Belleville, which we believe is the case. Officially loaned to Belleville. Perfect. He leads the team in goals with 19. So he's having a good year and he's going to help that team in a playoff stretch. And I can really see a situation where he impresses management and they're willing to give him an extension here. So I don't mind that at all, especially when you're looking at Josh Brown. That's not a guy they were going to keep around here anyways. And probably someone that with uh, Boston re-signing DeBrusque, they were able to part with a little more easier knowing they didn't have to fill that hole. So I think all around, this is a good trade for the Ottawa Senators. Yes. How would you value the entirety of the trade deadline for Pierre Dorian? You uh, said B minus, right? I said B minus. Yeah, I, I would keep it at that. But we also need to get into the Zach Sanford deal. Oh, Zach true. Sanford. True. Keep the Winnipeg uh, theme going here for you, Ross. Yep. And he is traded to the Winnipeg Jets in return for a fifth-round pick in the 2022 draft. I mentioned in my Locked On Now video that this was fans were expecting this. Uh, he's on an expiring contract. He needed to go to a contender. He's going to help them out with depth scoring. But the irony of it all is it seemed very clear that Zach Sanford is not too stoked to be in Canada and he stays in Canada. So yeah, I'm sure true. when he's a restricted uh, or unrestricted free agent, sorry, that uh, he will be basically putting up a no sign clause to seven of the 32 teams here. I don't know if he'll even have seven teams chasing him. So he might not <laughs> yeah, have much fair. choice if he wants to be an NHL player. This yeah. to me, from Winnipeg's perspective, they traded Andrew Kopp. They're like in that tweener where they're like close enough to yeah, the playoffs that they can't, can't give up. But if they aren't, then they kind of want futures. Cop priced himself out of Winnipeg, restricted yeah. free agent, but he's making similar to what Sanford's making this year so they can fit him in. And it was just a weird situation, but Sanford ends up in Winnipeg. And I can't think outside of the one hat trick game and beating up Jonathan Taves. So I guess yeah. that's two highlights this year for Zach Sanford. Jonathan Taves, Winnipeg boy, if we're going to keep on that train. There but it, it's just, it's just a, a trade that really – he shouldn't have been targeted in the first place from a Logan Brown trade perspective. And Brown might still get to 30 games because they're going through a lot of injuries in St. Louis. They're out with uh, without Bozak, without Tarasenko, and without O'Reilly for a few And they games, traded so. some roster players in the Letty deal too, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we'll see uh, whether Ottawa has to send their fourth to St. Louis at the end of the day. In all likelihood, they do. But Ottawa gets back a fifth for Zach Sanford, which is kind of meh, but it makes sense at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you had to do it, but when you're looking at the Logan Brown trade tree here, doesn't look great for Pierre Dorian's first ever move as a general manager, trading up to acquire Logan Brown, and he ends up giving up a fourth and receiving a fifth at the end of this trade tree, so not great. Speaking of trades, and a guy who Dorian, his first trade with as the Ottawa Senators very roster player was Derek Broussard. He just got traded to Edmonton. It's his 10th NHL team now. Yeah, Ten. oh my God. Wow. This guy's getting some air miles going across the uh, the country and back and back and back and back and back. Ten times it is. All right. My thoughts here. First and last trades, very underwhelming, although I do get the, the reasoning behind picking up a goalie. I just like, that goalie? I don't know. It <laughs> kind of shows what direction they're going through the last 20 games here. But the moves in the middle, I liked. Great soldier, Nick Paul, but 
you could almost call it a wash in terms of talent, a controllable asset in Joseph, who's an RFA. I like that pickup and then getting a draft choice on top of it. I like that move. I like re-signing Forsberg and I yep. like getting out from under Josh Brown and Zach Sanford's contracts. It's just trading for Travis Hamnick to me makes absolutely no sense. And targeting Michael McNiven of all people doesn't make much sense. There were better goalies on waivers. Although Harry Sateri, the the guy from the Leafs, Arizona claimed him and they would have had first dibs over Ottawa. So for all we know, Ottawa did put in a claim on Sateri. I would imagine they did because they would have gotten him for free. I mean, not the future considerations is anything, but that to say, I think, uh, I think GPR Doria, I'll say C plus just because I really don't like that Hamnick trade. I'm going to be a little harsher. I think that that trade gets an F minus. So for him to, to get up to a C plus beyond that, yeah, it gives, gives him a little bit of credit, but at the same time, that is a puzzling move. Any final thoughts before we go today, Pilsy? And again, if we do miss any Senators trades, check out our YouTube page. We will be posting some immediate reaction clips there, and we appreciate you subscribing and liking the show as well. Uh, final thought for me, just to touch on the Joseph Paul trade. We, we talked about it. If the Senators are going to trade Nick Paul, the first thing they're going to do is say, how do we get another Nick Paul? And I think they came kind of close, right? Like they're similar in age. They're both on expiring deals, but Joseph is an RFA. He's got a little more speed. He can put up points at a better clip, I would say. A little bit more road ahead of him. And I checked out his shorthanded time, and they've played almost the exact amount of shorthanded time. I think Nick Paul's at 130. Joseph is like 121 total shorthanded minutes. But Joseph has a, has a goal and uh, two assists, or no, two goals and assist. He's got a couple points shorthanded. I don't have the stats in front of me, but where Nick Paul uh, didn't have any points. So I think really they did a good job on finding a replacement for Nick Paul and getting a guy that could have a little bit more potential. So that was their big move that they had to do, and they had to bring some sort of NHL talent in, and I think they did a good job there. The Ottawa Senators are on Long Island to play against the Islanders tomorrow. No Travis Hamannick. He will meet the team in Winnipeg the following day. But we're going to have a look at the line combinations in all likelihood tomorrow morning. So make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Senators. Appreciate any comments. What do you think of the NHL trade deadline from a Senators perspective and more? Until then, we'll be back tomorrow. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.